and welcome to another episode of the Power Half Hour Unstoppable Business Owner. I'm your host, Dorothy Adelpha, this evening. Just want to give a shout out to our sponsor of today's show, Owen Sharp, with his book, The Great Flood of Bovenland. If you have a, ch- a child or a grandchild be- between the ages of one and seven, this is definitely a book you want to get your hands on. Great, filled with adventure, and the colors and illustrations are absolutely just stunning. So get your copy today on Amazon. I am extremely stoked to bring to the stage Jackie Bailey. Jackie, welcome to the show. And it's her birthday today, so happy birthday, ma'am. Thank Hopefully you. you've had an incredible day. I know we were talking a little bit backstage and she'll go eat her chocolate after we're done, dark chocolate after we're done here tonight. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's been a pretty average day, but you know what? As long as no drama has happened today, it's a good day. <laughs> Any day that's drama-free is a great day. Exactly. <laughs> totally 100% <laughs> agree with you. But we're here because you are such an amazing lady. Um, I'm, I met this woman briefly, and then it's just like, it's like we've known each other forever. Uh, but for those of you who have no idea who Jackie is, Jackie, share a little bit about yourself, what it is that you do, and who you serve. Well, thank you for this opportunity, Dorothy. I really appreciate it. I am an international conversation coach for kids and adults. And I'm a TEDx speaker. I'm a world champion speaker. I'm an author of six books. And I am a mentor to hundreds of kids around the world, helping them to learn public speaking skills and then putting them on stages, delivering their keynotes, TEDx talks, and authoring books, you name it. And that's what my mission is. And that's what I do. (laughs) What made you decide to get into that? Oh, gosh, it wasn't really a decision as much as it was um, a way to heal from my childhood abuse, where I was silenced with being told not to tell what was happening to me on a very chronic basis from probably around the age of eight through my teenage years. And being silenced like that, it took a lot about away from me. I didn't know who I was or what I could have been, and I just survived a every day, not really thinking about a future. And it wasn't until I was an adult woman and another child was in danger that I had to use my voice and let people know what was going on so that someone else did not have to live with the same fate I had. And when I broke that silence, it was the first time when I realized I actually had something important to say. And what I said saved the life of another child and brought attention to the abuse that was happening generationally in my family. And so today I do what I do because I don't want children to be silenced in my presence or under my stewardship. If I can do anything to help a child to feel empowered to speak up, that's what I'm going to do. Wow. I got chills up and down my entire spine just listening to that. And sorry that happened to you. Um, and, and thankfully, you were able to find, find your voice. And, you know, I, I find since I started this, um, especially with the shows and, and things like that, I never used my voice until now. And then it was just empowering to say, wait a minute, you know, I'm not the only one going through this, but how can we help others to get past what they're going through? Right. And mm-hmm. uh, when you, when you go through those moments, it's just like, well, why me? And, but why not us? Because we're the ones that we know we're going to um, 
no one should be suffering in silence. Everybody should be able to, you know, break free and, and get the help that they need. And, um, wow, that is powerful. Well, and you know how you feel when you know someone's hearing you, you know, Mm -hmm. often, especially with the advent of these cell phones, these mini computers that we walk around with all the time, we're often, I don't know about you, but I'm often talking to people who are texting someone else at the same time they're having a conversation with me. And I obviously am not being listened to. And it's not, it's not a fun feeling. It's not a good feeling. And I think, well, I'm going to try to avoid having anyone in my presence feel that way too, to, to help them to feel like I'm, I'm looking at them. I'm focusing on them and I'm present with them in that moment. And it can do so much to just acknowledge to someone that they do have a value and that someone enjoys listening to them. And I think those are the basic needs that we as humans have is we want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to be respected. And our kids are often not any of those, at least from their perspective, they don't feel heard. They don't feel seen. And in many ways they're not being respected. And so if, if we can give them even just an occasional opportunity to feel those things, I think it, it will help them to be better leaders in the future and to stand more on their values and their principles now when they really need to. Absolutely. Man, that was just so much. You see so many people, even in the restaurants, you're having supposed to have be having dinner together and they're one or both of the spouses are on their phone. I hate that. (laughs) I mean, not to say that I've never done it to my husband. Um, You know, especially when you're in the thick of a, of, uh, you know, negotiations on a deal or something like that. And, but I am just like, man, that you see more and more of it. Um, children's on phone. And I think we got away from, you know, everybody sitting down, having dinner at the table and, and listening to each other. Um, and I really crave, crave that, you know, I wish we could go back to the Sunday dinners where everybody was, you know, um, around the table and, and having that. And, um, I I love what you said. It's, you don't feel heard or appreciated if somebody's on their phone while you're talking to them. And unfortunately I have done that myself. I can't say that I haven't. Um, but when we catch ourselves doing that, at least have the courtesy to apologize and, you know, give your full attention to what it is that the other person's saying. That is so important. We've all done it. And we've all done it. I mean, that's the day and age that we live in, right? It, it is a convenience having that phone with you. You can take calls. You can make calls if necessary. I think there's some value in our kids having that sort of safety now where they could get a hold of parents anytime they need to. But like anything else, it can be abused if we're not careful. So use it for the advantages that it gives us, but also be aware of when it becomes a liability and we're not present with the with people that matter the most to us. And so I think we just all have to be more aware of those opportunities to um, to put that down and pay attention when we need to. That's all. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's funny you said that because I, I don't remember what age I was when I got mine growing up, but I know I was like 1920. We ended up getting... <laughs> a cell phone for our 12 year old because we decided we'd give him more leeway and allow him to walk to school. Um, and his mom was like, well, I want him to have a cell phone just in case something. Yeah. Happens. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just like, okay. 
<laughs> it's a tough decision. It really is because like, okay, this could be abused. Mm -hmm. um, and when your child has something like that, that means people can sneak into their world that maybe you don't want in their world. So there definitely has to be some safety measures in place. And I think it's helpful if there's an agreement between parents and child to say, this is how you can use the phone. This is how we don't want you using the phone. And if you disobey or break those rules, then there'll be consequences. Maybe you won't have your phone for a month or something like that. But, um, you know, when I was a kid, we we didn't have cell phones. Um, I grew up when dinosaurs were still roaming the earth. <laughs> and um, I remember just getting on a bike, on my bike and riding off and, you know, forever out into the desert where I lived in Arizona. And sometimes I didn't come home until it was close to dinner time. And I never had to worry about that. I don't think my parents ever wondered where I was. And we just had so much freedom then. I don't think yeah. our kids have that much freedom today. And so it's nice, I think, to maybe have that opportunity to, to contact them if needed, mm -hmm. just to check in and say, yeah. how are you? Where are you? You okay? That kind of thing. That I think there's a lot of um, uh, what am I saying? Um, peace of mind in that with, with our kids are, we still want them to be kids, right? But to be able to contact them if we need to, I think that's helpful. But again, anything that's good can also be abused if we're not. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I totally, totally am on board with you on that. And it's funny. I laughed when you said dinosaur, because I was, I volunteered at a, a woman's house, uh, last week. And one of the topics was, um, you know, I, I was talking about past traumas and it took me 40 years to figure out why I hate being questioned. If somebody questions mm -hmm. me, I absolutely hate it. And it's because it stems back from when I was little, we didn't have car seats back then. So my brother actually got booted out of the car, my grandmother's car and got, I don't know how it happened. And I was questioned because they all thought it was me. And she says, wait a minute, they didn't have car seats back then. And I was like, out of all of that, that's what she got. That's what she got out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was 40 some odd years ago. 40, uh, well, I'm 47 now. So around 40, 45 years ago. Um, yeah. And I'm just like, so when you said dinosaur, <laughs> I know. I remember as a little kid, I was standing on the seat, the car ne next to my mom while she was driving. I was standing next to her while she was my driving the car. I mean, that's how far back I go. <laughs> my husband um, said the exact same thing. And he's yeah. one year older than I am. So um, I'm just like, see, it, it, it just goes to show the difference. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if you allowed we would be put in jail oh for child endangerment and we would never, our CAS would have our kids. Yes, exactly. I'm not sure what it is called in the States, but here it's called uh, CAS children's aid yeah. protective services or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and, and so crazy how time flies and how yeah. things have changed over the years. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's hard to keep but, up with the changes when you're old, like me. <laughs> Because what, what used to be normal is now like politically incorrect. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I got to try to keep up with this as best I can. <laughs> right. So, yeah. 
I, I totally get you. I said to my dad, how in the world did you raise us? Because I'm used to old school, thumb on the kids. Your kids are to be seen and not heard. All the stuff, that's how we grew up. And I'm like, how? I, so I try to raise my stepson like that. And it's just like, there is there is none of that. Um, <laughs> and my dad says, well, you can't raise kids the same way I raised you. I'm like, well, I know no other way. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, what you know, <laughs> we could be a, we could do a TEDx talk on this for sure. <laughs> well, you know, we are in a very interesting period of time, in that there are people like me on the planet who had no computers, no cell phones, and we actually wrote letters to each other that we went and mailed with a stamp on it to the kids today that have only had these devices. I mean, they've never known a world without this ability to have information at your fingertips within seconds. And then we have the in-between generation, which are the parents who are also now using the internet for just about everything and they're raising their kids accordingly. So there are these three different generations here coming from very different perspectives. And I think there's so much that we can learn from each other if we take the time to, if we can respect the advancement that like I have four grandchildren and the way that they're learning and how they're learning is so much different than me, but I can appreciate that because I use the internet too and I can see how valuable that is for them. But on the other side of it, there was something really tangible about having to pull an encyclopedia off the shelf and look up something that you needed for a report. It took a little bit more energy and retention of that information than kids do today. So I think that there's some things they can learn from the old people like me in how to study and retain information. So there's a lot of value that we have to give to each other. And somehow we have to figure out how to get together on the same page with all of this and appreciate appreciate each other and value each other for what we, we bring to the table. Because this once my generation's gone, we're not going to remember what it was like to actually have face-to-face conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was an art. According to today's standards, that was an art to be able to have a conversation. The students I work with, that is one of the biggest fears they have is that they have to go talk to somebody face-to-face or even use their phone to actually talk to somebody texting. That's easy, but using it as an actual phone, that is scary to them, which is so foreign to me. (laughs) Well, you know, it's, it's funny you said that because I was going to ask, you know, what are, what is the biggest divide between the students that you, that you teach, um, you know, helping them to speak out. And it's funny. So you're helping them to speak out, uh, but yet they're afraid to use the phone. And, and, you know, since the pandemic, I have to say, um, I used to be able to pick up the phone and all this, but now that we've had Zoom and we've been in Zoom now for two, two and a half years, almost three years, uh, you know, I have three shows here. I can talk like this, but, and honestly, to pick up the phone, it takes something for me to, to push myself to do that even. And, and I, it wasn't that way before the pandemic, but now. Um, but now it is. And I, I feel very comfortable with Zoom because I want your facial expression. That doesn't mean I want to go have lunch with everybody. I'm okay with the Zoom meeting. <laughs> exactly. It's so convenient. You know, you don't have to fight traffic. That's right. <laughs> you don't have to even be wearing shoes. I mean, you, 
you know, <laughs> so or pants. Exactly. Or pants. You know, I have a top on. You don't know what I have. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's funny. My husband says, "Well, as long as you have a shirt on, you're you know you're good." And I'm like, "Oh, you know, I never thought of it that way. I am wearing pants. I am actually in dress pants today, <laughs> uh, which is highly unusual because normally when I do come home from work." I put on comfy pants and today I'm like, no, I'm going to act like the professional that I am. Well, I feel honored. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I had to, I had to wear dress pants for the birthday girl. So <laughs> thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, absolutely. So what, so other than, you know, what are the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome in business today to get to where you're at? Oh, gosh. Well, I have both a for-profit sole proprietor business that I've had since 2007. It started out as a dental management consulting firm because um, right out of high school, I went into, I, I put myself through dental assistant school and came out uh, as a dental assistant, worked for about 10 years chairside. And then I moved into surgery and did that for 13 years and then went into admin and then office management. And I, you know, I did just about everything and I came out of it going, what do I do with all that knowledge now? And so I started a consulting company and then, um, I don't know, five or six years into that, I started to focus on the communication aspect of business. And I was working specifically with dental and medical practices. And I was noticing the communication was so poor that the doctors and dentists don't get business training. They don't get HR training. And so they generally are not very good employers <laughs> and they don't know how to hire and fire the right kind of people. And therefore, because they're the leader of the organization, the teams are just not communicating well. Well, it didn't necessarily make a profit really quickly. And so it was a hard sell to make. Soft skills are a hard sell. And so I had an opportunity because at the time I started to compete in this world championship of public speaking, uh, international contest as a speaker. And I got an opportunity from a homeschool group that, I, you know, I was sort of a local celebrity as I was preparing for this competition. They asked me if I'd come and do some public speaking classes for these nine homeschool kids. And I said, hey, that kind of sounds like fun. You know, I know what it's like to put together a speech. I can do that. And so I crafted some curriculum for this nine week course that they wanted. And there was these kids were all in middle school. And I could see such a tremendous difference that it was making for these kids. I mean, the first couple of days we were together, they weren't really keen on eye contact. They would speak at really low volume and kind of mumble a little bit. But after the third or fourth session, they were walking in there tall and they were booming their voice out. They were looking at each other. And as they spoke, they were sharing messages that perhaps they had never even talked about before. And I started to see this tremendous impact that it was making on them. So I started to develop more and more curriculum and start teaching more and more classes in my free time. <laughs> and, um, and then I was successful at doing this and opened up a public speaking studio through my for-profit business, but then thought the schools, the public schools actually told me, well, unless you're a nonprofit, we can't bring your programs into the schools. And I knew that they were already working with some of the kids I wanted to be able to reach. 
So I thought, well, all right then. I'll just become a nonprofit. Then. <laughs> so, so I did. So I started a nonprofit then too. Um, the for-profit is the owner or the licensee of all of the curriculum, but the, the nonprofit now uses it to, to teach the kids. Um, so challenges I've had have been, you know, having these two businesses work in tandem and nonprofits being kind of beat up, especially during the pandemic a lot of people that were philanthropists to begin with during the pandemic sort of held back because they weren't sure what their future was going to hold. And I completely understand the mindset there, but it wasn't helpful for the kids that I was working with who really needed these programs. And um, I had to get creative in how I could bring them those programs, keep them safe and so forth. I'm really appreciate zoom and all of these online platforms now that allow us to do that. So um, the challenges I've had really have been letting people know that we exist so that we can serve more kids and getting the funding that will allow us to do the big things that we really want to do. So that's that's been the challenge. Wow. Yeah, and you're right. I've heard from so many um, nonprofits that everything is down this year. Um, everybody is out there, you know, um, from from kids to um, shelters and things like that. Everybody so it's like, and you know, it's Christmas time. It's, it's the, the most wonderful time of the year until it's not, um, right. you know, and for a lot of people, like I, I help a lot of people in the mental health space. So I get it. It's, it's not the greatest time. And, and on top of that, you know, then you got the money, the money things on top of that. And it's just a snowball effect, but um and the pandemic sure did not help. That's for sure. Um, in that regard. Yeah, yeah it, it did help actually that the advantages to the pandemic and being online, because when we opened up our studio, we were teaching kids in person in our local area. But then when we pivoted to online, the challenge was changing all of our curriculum now to be you know online friendly. But we started to expand our student base, because now I didn't have to just I, I stick to the local area. And we started getting kids interested that were in other states and then in other countries. And now we serve kids all around the world. And that is so awesome because we can expand this mission that I never even knew was possible. So um, th I think the opportunity of the pandemic for that reason, that we were able to reach more kids for sure. Well, and I think it put, I always say that it put us all at a even playing field. Um, yeah. It really did. You know, there are some upsides. There are some downsides. Uh, the upside being that it we're all at an even playing field. The world is our oyster. There is no, well, unless your government tells you to, there is no, uh, you could do business anywhere in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, unless you live in a state where you can, but right. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not a CPA, so don't go <laughs> don't to your accountant. <laughs> don't quote me. Go to your accountant first. Right. <laughs> right. Well, it's interesting that, you know, once the pandemic sort of started to um, ebb a little bit um, and kids were back in school, they were online in school. Mm -hmm. And so here our programs were, when they were out of school, were a little bit popular because parents knew that they still needed socialization and this was a safe place to do it, you know, virus free. But then when they went back to school, 
and they were online for six hours a day in school, they didn't want them in an online class after school too. So there was another lull that we hit during that period of time. And I, again, I can understand parents thinking I wouldn't want my kids online all day long too. Mm-hmm. Um, but now because so many businesses are operating this way, parents still ask me, well, isn't it better for the kids to be in person than online for your courses? And I say, it might be, but <laughs> they, they now get to talk with kids all around the world. And this is training them for business because mm-hmm. this is the way businesses are going to operate point in the future. And they're already going to have this sense of, I know how to do this and I know how to present and I know how to make my stage um, look appropriately. And I know how to get lighting and sound and that kind of thing so that I'm empowered every time I speak. This is a great learning opportunity for the kids so that when they get to school and college and they get out in the workforce, this is going to be second hat to them, you know, and they know how to do it. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I love that. And so with that, then, so my, my next question is is always, well, what three things do you help your clients with? But you kind of alluded that to that in, in that speaking where, you know, getting, getting the kids even internationally together, that, that has got to be something too. You know, they experience different cultures without even having to leave home. That's right. And they're listening to each other and they're giving each other feedback. I think that's one of the most powerful aspects of our program is they become a team. And actually some of the students have described it as a family. They become a family. Mm -hmm. And with that family, they listen to each other and they provide feedback. And of course, one of our four rules is kindness. So everything you say needs to be done in a kind way. That doesn't mean you can't offer suggestions, but you can say, you know, Billy, I really enjoyed the story that you shared. I got a little confused during this part. And I suggest that the next time you tell it, you make you know more clear what was said or da, 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 da. And when kids can learn how to give meaningful and helpful feedback, that is another aspect that I don't think they're getting in school. They're probably not learning how to do that even in college. And then they get in the workforce and they are prime management material if that's what they want to do because they know how to in a kind way, say, Mm -hmm. hey, thank you for doing this. Might I suggest you do this because the outcome might be better. I mean, I know a lot of adults that don't have those skills that would be really helpful if they did. So our kids are learning at 10 years of age how to provide that helpful feedback in a a kind and productive way. And um, so that's another powerful part of our programs. Right. I love that. Yes, because you don't get that in school, and <laughs> at least not in our schools. Um, you, you, you kind know, of get a grade on your paper, and that's the only feedback you get, right? <laughs> when you're right. In <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation for a whole yeah. other time. My my uh, stepson just got his intern report card, and uh, I'm just like, mm. oh lord. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it, it wasn't bad. It was pretty pretty decent. Um, it's just, you know, he's 12. He doesn't want to be in school. He just wants to play video games all day. And like most 12 year olds and, and uh, things like that. And, you know, getting him into a program, something like this, I think that would be beneficial because, you know, not only talking with, with kids um, in other cultures and countries, um, but that, that constructive feedback from your peers, because when you get into the workplace, you, you know, it's, 
constructive criticism or feedback is is necessary to grow but mm-hmm. some people who've never had it are and who've been sheltered their whole life don't know how to take that right yeah. um and so by having that at an early age um it's totally beneficial um i could totally see that well yeah and for the person receiving it it's beneficial too because it teaches you that it's just somebody's opinion mm-hmm. so take what they say at face value, if you find it valuable and you can actually apply what they're saying, excellent. But if you feel like you didn't quite get what I was saying or um, this isn't really helpful, then just go, thank you for the feedback. I appreciate it. And that's all you have to do. You don't have to you know, mm-hmm. uh, do what they say if you don't feel it's authentic for you. And that in, in itself is a powerful skill to where we can listen to others and then say that was helpful or I appreciate your point of view, but you don't have to take it, you know, and, and you can be kind at the same time. And that's, exactly. again, it's not something that they're being taught anywhere. No, else. exactly. And I love that you, that you pointed that out. I, I love that. Um, absolutely. Constructive, take it or leave it, but don't let it sit with you because a lot of, a lot of people do that. Adults even too. I mean, I yeah, get it. Absolutely. It's just somebody's opinion. Okay. That's I true. value your opinion, but I don't have to make it matter to me if I don't want to. Exactly. <laughs> so. Wow, Jackie. I can't believe this half hour went boom like that. Oh, it's gone already. <laughs> it's gone already. Where is the best place for people to reach you? Well, I have a hub of information that you can find just about everything about me, and it's Jackie Bailey360.com. JackieBailey360.com. You'll find my for-profit website, the nonprofit website. You'll find some videos from the kids. You'll find some programs that we've got going on. You'll find ways to donate to the nonprofit if you'd like to and support the programs and the kids that we're working with. Everything is there. All my social media is there as well. And access to my books and my author page on Amazon. So it's all there. (laughs) So go check Jackie out. I mean... Jackie's amazing. Let her help you mold your children uh, to be the best uh, (laughs) versions of themselves. Um, You know, starting with confidence um, because, you know, we're we're, a lot of adults are out there walking, not with that. So start them off with the right path. Totally recommend that. Thank you so much, Jackie, for being here. Thank you for our uh, listeners. And for those of you that are on the replay, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, don't forget, be unstoppable in all that you do. Same time, same channel next week. And bye for now. Thanks, Dorothy.